Hey everyone, welcome to the Clemson Tiger Wire podcast. We are so glad that you are here joining us today for this episode. Today we're going to be talking about our reactions and a recap for our football game this past weekend against Miami. We're going to be going through some stats and some of our thoughts regarding that loss and that heartbreak that happened late in the game. We're also going to be going through and keep the excitement going for our basketball season coming up soon this year as we talk about some new recruit news that has came out recently for our Clemson's basketball team team uh, for the 2023-2024 season. And so my name is John. I'm a lifelong fan of the Clemson Tigers. I'm not some insider or something like that. I'm just a guy that lives and breathes the Clemson sports. Uh, we are so excited to be doing this podcast, and we can't wait uh, for you to join us and just to see where this leads and what all we're able to do and talk about on this show. Make sure you follow us over on Twitter to keep up with all our news and to join in on the conversation. Uh, our Twitter is at the Tiger Wire. We'd love to have you follow us over on there and join in the conversation about all things Clemson. And so this podcast is a podcast all about the Clemson athletics. We are all sports, all passion, all of the time. It's going to be great. We're so glad you're joining us. And so enough of this boring intro stuff. Let's just dive in. So we're going to start talking about football. Last episode, I told you all, my hopes for the 2023 season for Clemson Tigers had changed. The beginning of the season, I had high hopes. I was thinking playoffs. I was thinking ACC championship. I was bought into the dirt raid. Um, But then as the season progressed, I kind of became more realistic, right? We had those two losses. I was there. I had a faith that we were just, we're there. This season was all going to be about growth. This season was all going to be for just to slow down, take some growth opportunities, get back to basics, allow Cade to grow with experience, have a new offensive coordinator and Garrett Riley uh, come true and start bringing his own element to this game. Um, so I, my seasons, my expectations for this season were growth. I hadn't thrown in the towel for the season as a flop or as a failure. I knew there was no chance we were making the playoffs and I really didn't think we had a chance of going to the ACC championship game. So I'm watching this Clemson and Miami game, and at halftime, I flip over to the UNC game against Virginia, and I see Virginia beat UNC. And all of a sudden, a path for Clemson to the ACC tournament or the ACC championship game opened, right? All we needed to do after UNC lost was we needed to win out, and if we won out and Duke lost to FSU and then one more opponent, we had a chance, we had the rights to go to play FSU in the ACC championship game. That's all we needed. That was our path. So originally, I was realistic at the beginning of this game, hoping just for growth, hoping to see some great things come, uh, battle through some problems with Clemson. All of a sudden, my hopes went skyrocketing, and I was excited about the opportunity for Clemson to get back to the ACC championship game. Um, So like a fool, I let my hopes grow and grow and grow, and then the Clemson game happened, and Clemson lost it, right? Clemson just couldn't do it. We lost 20-28 to against Miami in double overtime. One of the biggest things that made me upset about this game was that in our last episode, we talked about how we're beating ourselves. How Clemson all season long has been battling not only against other team, but we've been battling against ourselves. We're fighting against dumb turnovers, poor play call, poor players, poor player performances, but also poor play calling. Um, so the Miami game, I was hoping to see some growth. Instead, we lost twenty to twenty-eight in a double overtime game, in a game that we shouldn't have lost. And this game was infuriating. And a large reason of that was that both of those reasonings came true. We beat ourselves through poor players and poor play calling. 
Let's just dive in and look at some of the stats. So total yards, Clemson had 345 yards. Miami had 362. Passing yards, Clemson had 314. Miami had 151. Rushing, here's the big one. Are you ready for this? I don't think you are. Miami had 211 rushing yards. Clemson had a whopping 31 yards. 31 yards. All right, we'll, we'll get back to that. Turnover margins, Clemson had three, Miami had one. That felt like a lot closer turnover margin than the game actually felt like, probably because those Clemson turnovers all happened in like the worst possible moments. Uh, fun fact for you right here, you know who the FBS leader is in fumbles? Yep, Cade Klubnick. Cade Klubnick is tied for the most fumbles lost, and with eight of them, he's tied with a quarterback at Arkansas. In seven games, he's had eight fumbles. Hasn't been bad with interceptions. He's only done three, but he seems like he just can't hold on to the ball. Shipley and Moffa also have had some pretty devastating fumbles throughout the season. Uh, one of them had a big fumble against Miami. And so speaking of our running backs, let's jump back to those rushing yards real quick. What in the world happened to the dirt raid? All offseason, we were teased by Sweeney and Garrett Riley about this year being the year of the dirt raid. They said, forget about the air raid. We are going to run the ground out. We're going to be pushing that offensive line. We're going to be moving the field. We're going to be marching down. We're going to be dirt raid, dirt raid, running the ball like crazy. Shipley had a great year last year. Moffa had a great year last year. Cade was coming alive. It was supposed to be moving on the ground. And I know that Miami was the leading defense in the ACC in rushing coming in. But with all that hype, with all that focus on the rush game, and the we walk into Miami and walk out with 31 yards on the ground. Are you kidding? Yes, 31 is a little misleading. Let's be fair. In college, sacks count against the quarterback's rush yards and the team's overall rush yards. So let's just break it down. Will Shipley had 15 rushing attempts for a whopping 44 yards, averaging less than three yards a rush. Great performance. Phil Moffa went 5 for 14, averaging, once again, less than 3 yards a rush. Cade, with all of his sacks, had 14 rushes for a good old negative 37 yards. If you take away Klubnik's atrocious ground performance, we still only had 58 yards of rushing on the ground. What a dirt raid. What a dirt raid. That is absolutely ridiculous. Can't happen, right? With all that focus on the ground, that cannot happen. Moving on to the passing game, man, one of the few bright spots of this game was Jake Brenningstool. He showed up. This junior tight end showed up with great routes, great catches. I'm really excited to see his growth and growing into that more serious of a threat in the pass game. I mean, this game might have been his breakout. He doubled his total yards for the season in just this one game. He ended with five receptions, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. Another receiver who had a great game was Tyler Brown. Looking at his stats, it wasn't a huge game, but the catches he had were in pivotal moments. He had five receptions on seven targets for 53 yards. And then looking at Antonio Williams, he was finally back in action, but he honestly didn't do much. He had two catches on four targets for 47 yards. Had a couple big plays, but he, we needed more production for him and just couldn't get it. Um, now on to defense, though. At the beginning of this game, this really looked like a game that could be huge for our defense, right? I mean, we're going up against a freshman quarterback who had never started before, just found out he was getting his first start right before this game started. And yes, we're playing away, but everyone knows Miami doesn't really have a strong home field advantage, right? I mean, their stadium's not even on their college campus. But even with all those things happening and all these things coming up, we still gave up over 200 rushing yards. 
Our passing defense was strong. I mean, strong, right? We gave up only 150 yards, one passing touchdown. We held them like four and a half yards per passing attempt. But listen to this stat. This one's crazy that we still went into halftime tied 7-7. Seven to seven. For almost the entire first half, they did not have one snap on our side of the 50-yard line. Let that sink in. Almost half of the game, they didn't take a snap on our side of the field. Yet they still went into halftime tied 7-7. Seven to seven. That cannot happen. That is poor offense. Our defense couldn't make plays down the stretch. Obviously, like Later in the game, they could have been a little bit better, but it was probably because they were exhausted. I mean, looking in our fourth quarter, our offense in the fourth quarter ran six plays for a total of five yards. I'm going to say that again. Six plays, five yards in the fourth quarter, leading to three and out two different times, which is one big old loss. Our defense had moments that I wish were better, but I'm not upset at them. I mean, we have some studs on that side. Jeremiah Trotter is a beast. Our defensive line is good, usually. And then our secondary has serious talent. I mean, one of my favorite stats so far was Nate Wiggins, our star cornerback, before this game was allowing a 2.8 passer rating when people were throwing at him. 2.8. That's ridiculous. I don't know what it is now after Miami, but it's still low. It isn't our defense that's beating us. Our offense is beating ourselves. But once again, it's not just our poor players. It's not just our players not performing. We also had some bad coaching during this game. I don't understand how we're seven games into the season and we're still rotating so much on the offensive line. No wonder Cade is having so much trouble holding onto the ball. He doesn't have a consistent lineman blocking for him. You're telling me with all the talent, all the recruits we have, we don't have consistent players on the line, so halfway through the season, we're still having to test people out at different positions on the offensive line? That can't happen. You can't build up chemistry. You can't build up trust between the line and the quarterback when there isn't consistent people out there providing protection. Another thing is how in the world do we get the ball late in the game, first and goal on the two-yard line, and not score? How? In the NFL, I'm an Eagles fan, and has Dabo not been watching? I mean, give the ball to Cade underneath center. Let them push him forward, right? Does he, does he not know about the tush push or the brotherly shove? You have four chances to go two yards, and we take shotgun four times and don't even get close. What is that? Even if you just hand it up the middle four times, I bet we score. I know some people are calling bad play calling on that last play of double overtime where Cade kept the ball on that read option. It has came out that that was actually supposed to be a handoff. Cade just decided to keep it and roll out, and it ended up not successful. I'll be honest, I'm not a big hater on that one. Here's why. If that works, huge win, right? Like if he works, if he made that decision, he went off script and scored, he's taking the games in his hands and trying to win. That's what winners do. That's what big time players do. That's what we want in a quarterback. I'm not mad at him trying that. I'm mad that we called that play in the first place. I mean, why are we in shotgun for four straight plays? Why are we in shotgun when we need two yards? I don't understand. Overall, there was just so much frustrating calls. Shotgun from the six inches away. A quarterback draw on third and goal from the 15. Second and goal from the 20, and we toss it two different yards. Rushing three consistently on defense and only allow, and allowing an unexperienced quarterback to make have plenty of time and make a late game-tying drive. I mean, overall, it was a big disappointment. I let my hopes get really high after a UNC loss, and I wish I didn't, but now we're back to where we were a week ago. Let's use this season for growth. Let's use this season to allow growth to happen in our players that are coming back. Let's win out. Let's have a great year of learning, allowing Cade to grow some experience, and just have a season full of growth. I mean, next year, we're going to be good. 
We have some major recruits coming in. I mean, one of the big things we're missing this year is a big weapon. We're missing that playtime weapon, that T. Higgins, that Justin Ross, that Sammy Watkins, that DeAndre Hopkins. We're missing that big-time star wide receiver, and I think we're getting him next year. We got a five-star receiver named Bryant Wesco who's coming in, and let me tell you, right now in high school, he looks sick. And so we'll have him coming in next year. We'll have a junior Cade Klubnik who's coming in, hopefully with a lot more experience playing better. We'll have a Dabo Sweeney who I'm praying will be returned to that old Dabo where instead of excuses and talking about bandwagons and we need to lose, he'll be talking about guts and ownership and going back to that old-time Dabo. But that's enough of that. I know we kind of got a little negative there. That is our recap on football. And so to end the football part of this podcast, we're going to end it with two things that we're going to do every single week on here. We're going to end it with one, a look into the next week, and two, our wire-to-wire athlete. And so one, a look into next week. Next week, we are going to NC State, who is four and 4-3. They haven't looked good this year. Their biggest wins are at Virginia and then against UConn. They also have a couple big losses. They've lost to Duke, Louisville, Notre Dame. Louisville game was close, 13-10, to but Duke and Notre Dame really weren't that close of a game. But the thing about NC State is they always play us close, right? There's been a couple blowouts, but they, they play us tough. They beat us a couple years ago, and about it was about this time of the year, actually. And so I think this game is going to be a to- tough game, a tough challenge for the Clemson Tigers this coming Saturday. But here's my prediction. I think Cade comes in has another fumble or two but doesn't lose him um, but I think he throws 200 yards or so with one touchdown I think Shipley and Moffa are going to come out and they're both going to put up respectable numbers combined for maybe 160 175 yards on the ground I think we win that week 31 to 17 close first half but pull away in the fourth I think we walk out of Raleigh with a win to go five and three on the year And then the second thing, the last thing to end our football portion of the podcast episode is number two, our wire-to-wire athlete. What this is is that we have a player of the game. We're going to do this for every single game of football and basketball. Um, This is someone who put their all out on the field. That without them, we either wouldn't have won or we would have lost by a lot more than we did. And so our Clemson Tiger Wire, wire wire-to-wire athlete for this week of the Clemson football season has to go to Jake Brenningstool, right? I mean, he did excellent, 126 yards, two touchdowns, gave us some big excitement on a down night where no one else was really pulling their weight. Hopefully this will be a momentum shift for him, uh, allow him to keep this momentum going for the rest of the season. But Jake Brenningstool is our Tiger wire-to-wire athlete for this week. And that, everyone, is our recap of Clemson versus Miami, the seventh game of the 2023 Clemson Tiger football season. Now we want to move on to basketball. We are a week away from our exhibition game, and I am stoked for this season. I cannot wait to have a great 2023 men's basketball season. I'll be sitting at LJC almost every single home game with our season tickets. And I don't know about y'all, but this year there's a fresh energy. There's a fresh feeling, a fresh vibe around Clemson basketball that there really hasn't been there for the past couple years. I don't know if it's due to our quote-unquote success of last year or maybe the excitement that comes from the transfer we got in Joe Girard or P.J. Hall coming back. I don't know what it is, but this year feels different for Clemson basketball. And as we're under two weeks away from the start of the regular season, we're going to have a couple special episodes focusing solely on Clemson basketball in the shortcoming weeks. Uh, Later this week, we're actually going to have a bonus episode where we're going to fully dive in 
into the prediction of the ACC uh, season. We're going to talk about the ranking of all the teams, uh, what we think the re- ACC regular season title, who that'll be. We're also going to talk about who we think will be the ACC championship winners of the tournament um, and where Clemson falls into all that. We're also going to have an episode all about our roster, where before our November 6th opening day tip-off, uh, we're going to rank our roster based on our importance, what we think of the roster of 2023, and who our best players are. But for today, we are super pumped for 2023, but we're also really pumped for the future. So today, we're going to be talking about some big recruits that we have already for the 2024 in men's basketball. Um, we're going to be talking about the three big ones that we have so far. For all the stats and rankings and that kind of stuff, we're going to be using two different ranking sources and recruiting sources. We're going to be using on three recruiting and 24 seven sports. So right now we're going to be using all of that for our rankings. Right now we have one of the higher recruiting rankings that we've had in a while when it comes to basketball. We're ranked 29th right now in the 2024 nationwide recruiting class. Some platforms has ranked as high as fourth when it comes to the ACC recruiting for next year. And so we're, today we're going to look at the three hard commits that we have all that seem pretty sold out on Clemson that are going to be joining us next year for the team. Our first one that we're going to look at for the 2024 team is a guy by the name of Dallas Thomas. Dallas is the number 75 ranked player and number 23rd at his position. He's a six foot eight, 175 pound small forward. He chose Clemson over Missouri, Arkansas, LSU, Memphis, Auburn. You see, I'm really excited about Dallas. In high school right now, he's really showing how he's a really versatile player. He's got a pretty shot. He's good around the rim. He isn't selfish. He can finish. He's pulling down boards with the big man. He's a four-star recruit that I'm really excited about seeing what he can do and seeing the growth he has while he's at Clemson. Our second commit so far is Dell Jones. Dell is 88th in the nation, not falling too far behind Dallas, and he's 11th at his position. You see, he's a four-star recruit as well. He's a six-foot-two point guard at 180 pounds. He chose Clemson over Akron, Arizona State, Bryant, and George Washington. There's a guy by the name of Adam Finkelston who gave a really good scouting report on Dell. He said that Dell is a true combo guard. You see, if you know Clemson basketball, you know that we are known to like those Clemson guards. Brad Brunel really likes playing two or even three of those guards at one time. That can all play the one, the two, and switch back and forth. So Dell will fit really nicely in that role. Dell's quick. He's tough. He seems like he's creative with the ball, willing to dish it out when needed. The biggest question I have for him is in his shooting. He has a really pretty release, but he's only shooting like 22% in the EYBL this year. The biggest problem with it, though, is that he isn't very selective with his shots when he has the ball in his hands. When he has the ball in his hands off the dribble, he settles for some pretty ugly shots. He doesn't wait for the great moments. But when you reverse that, when he's in a catch-and-shoot situation, so much better. He's in like the 45th percentile in those moments. Overall, I think he's going to be a big addition if we can get him to settle down a little bit more. We need to get him to be selective with the shots and not be afraid to move it around and be patient to get more wide-open shots for those catch-and-shoot opportunities. And then our third and last recruit, our latest recruit so far, is a guy by the name of Ace Buckner. To Clemson faithfuls, that name has to sound familiar to you. You see, Ace is the son of Clemson great Greg Buckner. Greg played for the Tigers from 94 to 98. He played in 122 games, averaged 14 points a game, almost five rebounds. And while he didn't light up the stats or set any records or anything like that, he had some really great moments and memorable moments as a Tiger. 
Perhaps one of his biggest and most memorable moments was in the 96 ACC Championship Tournament. Uh, it was the quarterfinals game. Clemson was playing UNC in a very close back-and-forth game, right? And Clemson, they got it up to 10-point lead with a few minutes left, but UNC went on a great run. And so Clemson had the ball with just a couple seconds left uh, and a tie ball game in the quarterfinal game of this tournament. And then Greg Buckner received a pass and put up a nasty poster dunk on Antoine Jameson. When you type in Greg Buckner's name, you come up with the dunk. And it happened with .6 seconds left to play in the game. It was the winning basket. This was our first win ever over UNC in the tournament. Greg went on to have a successful NBA career after this. He was drafted in the second round. He's now even the associate head coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Greg was a legend. And now his three-star, six-foot-one, 165-pound combo guard, Ace Buckner, his son, is going to be coming to Clemson. In a recent interview, Ace was asked why he chose Clemson, why he was coming, and he talked about so much how it was his dream school. He said he loved it, he always dreamed of coming to Clemson, but he wanted to visit and make sure it was truly what was right for him, not just a dream because of his dad. And every time he met with the coaches when he was on campus, he really felt like he belonged. And so I'm excited about Ace. While he isn't a massive recruit, I mean, he's 172 in the nation, uh, 21st ranked combo guard. He's not the highest recruit. I'm really excited for him. I think this kid might be something special. He's got a really nice shot, great playmaking skills. He's got decent ball handling. I'm excited to see Ace keep the family history going and come be electric for the Clemson Tigers. And so those are three recruits so far for the 2024 season who I think are going to be great additions to the team and allow Clemson basketball to continue growing on the path that we're on right now. But with that, that is what we're going to end the episode on. That has been our thoughts on this past game against Miami in football, as well as our early thoughts on the recruits for Clemson basketball in 2024. Hey, let us know your thoughts. Come be a part of this conversation. We would love to hear your thoughts, your ideas from this episode. Maybe let us know some predictions for this season in basketball or some prospects we need to keep our eyes on for the next couple years. You can join in the conversation over on Twitter by following us at the Tiger Wire. That is at the Tiger Wire. Come let us know. Be a part of us. We would love to hear from you over on that. Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it, and I can't express enough gratitude to each and every one of you who are listening. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that follow button. Stay up to date with the Tiger Wire podcast. If you've enjoyed the show and you want to help us out, leave a review. We would really appreciate it if you could rate us five stars wherever you're listening to this at. Make sure you look out for new episodes coming soon. In the next episodes leading up to the kickoff of basketball season, we're going to talk about our expectations for the ACC, give our prediction of the standings at the end of the season, as well as the ACC championship. We're also going to go through and rank our Clemson Tiger basketball teams from least to most important to the team. You're not going to want to miss those episodes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, thanks so much for joining us here on the Clemson Tiger Wire podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Until next time, keep that Tiger pride alive and roaring. We will see you on the next episode. And as always, go Tigers.